listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. My name's Greg. I have three kids. I have a, a son who is 20. My wife's nodding at me, you know, like, yeah, I got it right. Um, I've got a daughter, Jacob. I've got Paige. She in here? She in kids? She's, anyway, she's, uh, she serves here. Uh, she's 18, and I've got Natalie over there who's 17. All right, that's the baby, right? Anyway, uh, my, my parents come here also. They've been here for several years. And then my wife, Candy, we have been married for 22 years. Right, right, yeah. A lot of you guys have been married longer than that. You know, that, that's not the point of this. The point of this is to tell you how smart I am. I got married in the year 2000. So when you ask me how I've been married, it's an easy... Now, let me ask you this. Hang on. Hang on. Cause it, whoops, got to stay in the frame here. Um, the question is this. I only have seven days that I give the wrong answer. Because I got married January 8th. All right, so, so I, got, I got seven days that I don't have to, I'm, oh, you know, I pray, don't ask me those seven days because I might get it wrong. You know, so when were y'all married? December 18th. Oh, <laughs> so it's like the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah, so it's the exact opposite. You know, we're smart, man. You know, I don't have to, I don't, ask me how old I am and I literally have to you know, ask me how long I've been married, and all I got to do is, is it January 1st through 7th, or is it the rest of the year? And I, I'm good with that. So I'm going to let you guys in on a secret to my successful and happy marriage, okay? I brought it here. All right. Wrong pocket. If you were here last week, you get it. If you were not here last week, go back and listen to the last week's sermon, and you'll get it, all right? I actually called Mike and told him I was doing this, because he said, I love hearing Mike preach, because he has illustrations, and he, he gets a whole nother world that we'll, we'll never walk into. So he gets his whole nother thing, but I love to hear him speak, because he comes up with frozen waffles, you know, I told myself I wasn't going to say that because I heard it last, last week enough. But nonetheless, frozen waffles. Who'd, who'd have thought two weeks in a row that makes a sermon? Anyway, anyway, that, that being said, uh, I know, I digress. Anyway, uh, so when, when Kevin sent us the text of, of what the sermons were, I immediately went, nope, not, not going to happen. Um, and, and I'm just going to let the elephant ride it. We're going to address the elephant in the room right off. My oldest is my, my wandering son. He, he is the lost son. He is the one that is out doing life on his own and trying to figure it out. So I spent the better part of three weeks trying to prepare this sermon and going, it ain't coming together. It's, it's not going to work. Almost to the point that I'm like, yeah, I'm just not going to do it. We're going to talk about something completely different, and Kevin will just deal with me. But no, God just kept on me, kept on me. You see, the problem that I didn't want, what I did not want to do is I did not want to make this about me or my son. 
And when you're reading this text, it's hard not to see that in there. So I'm addressing it right off the bat. So, so that's where we're at. And I would, I would offer this words of encouragement to anybody that's going through or if you, it's coming up, you know. I'd have never thought I would have been in these shoes. You know, I never, didn't see this coming. Never would I have thought this was where we'd be at, but it's where we're at. But I can, I can hold God's faithful and, and I can hold to this. Scripture says that you train up a child in the way he should go, and in the end he won't depart from it. That does not mean, I've heard this, sir, this, this preach, and I've heard it butchered. I have heard this done many ways, and it does not mean that he'll be saved. That, that's not what that verse means. I've heard that preached that way. I've also heard it preached that if your kid likes football, you just keep him in football, and he won't depart from that. I, I don't believe that either. I believe that this, that verse and that, that truth, if you will, you, you train up a child in the way she goes. You teach him right from wrong. You stay, you stay true to what's right and wrong. And at the end, he might make the wrong decision, but in his mind, he's going to know what's right and wrong. So, so that's, that's all you can do. All right. So, so I hold, I hold to that. Um, there, there's, there's a lot of other things that I hold to, but just to make it make it quick and, and moving on a hold of that. I, I thank you guys for your prayers, the, the ones that we've, we've reached out to and talked to. And, and through this, y'all don't know how much it means. Um, again, this is something that's new to us. So never thought. It. So that being said, elephants out the room, we're, we're, we're moving on. We're going to be in Luke 15 and, and we're going to get the, the entire chapter, which you guys are looking and going, holy smokes, that's a lot of, that's a lot of verses. Yeah, we're, we're going to have some ground to cover. But let's pray before we get started. Dearly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time that you've allowed us to come together and, and, and just learn, God. God, I, I thank you for what you've, you've shown me over the course of the last month. God, I pray that you'll, you'll move me out of the way and just allow your words to be said. God, I pray, my, my prayer is that we walk out different than we come in. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we look in Luke 15. We start off in, in verse 1, right? It's where, you know, we normally start when we do this. But anyway, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So, so we're going we're gonna to stop just for a second, and we're going to, these two verses, we need to keep in our mind the entire time we, we're going through this story, because this is the catalyst of these parables, all right? You don't get the prodigal son without these two verses, all right? And, and so, and, and so we got to use this as a reference, all right? Jesus is, is the sinners are coming to him, they're, they're listening to him, the tax collectors, he's eating with them, and the Pharisees are He's eating with the sinners. So Jesus proceeds to tell a trilogy of parables, if you will. He, he tells one of a, a lost sheep, a lost coin, and then you get the prodigal son, which I'm going, come on, let's go lost son. Some, some translations go at lost son. You do lost son, then you've got a perfect Southern Baptist sermon. you got three points that match, you know. Outside of that, you're... Ugh. 
anyway. So, so we're going to jump into the lost sheep. That's where we're going to start. So, so he told them this parable. Parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls, the brother, calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the ninety-nine righteous persons who need not to repent. So we look at this parable, which parable, definition of a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, and that's the the simplest of forms of, of the parable. Um, I've often wondered with a God who is infinite in seeing everything. So he sees from the beginning to the end. I've often wondered, is he just making stories up or is he actually telling stories of stuff that really happened? You know, and, and I think that there are times that he's telling stories of stuff that really happened. You could, you could see a sheep wandering off. So he's saying, hey, here's, here's a story about John the shepherd and, and what happened in this. So, so you've got three characters in this parable. You've got the 99 sheep. Right? What do the 99 sheep do in this parable? Nothing. They're grazing in an open country. They're safe. They're, they're not on a hill. They're not on a, on a cliff. There's no wolves out there. The shepherd has protected them. They're safe. They're doing nothing. Not a care in the world. Don't have a clue what's going on. Don't even realize, hey, we got one missing. Don't, don't even realize that. Then you got the sheep, the, the lost sheep. What does he do? He wanders off. Does he have any role to play whatsoever in his restoration to the 99? Nope. That's the shepherd. But, but in this sheep, we see, we see a few things that can, that can come into play here. We see, we see the fact Ezekiel 53.6 shows us that we stray. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way. That verse is more prevalent today than I think in any other time in history, in my opinion. Because we, we live in a, in a society where Absolute truths don't matter. It, it's what I think. It's let me tell you my personal opinion about this. Let me tell you my story, and that has more to do with the facts. So, so that's, we stray. We see in Romans three twenty three, we fall short. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We see, we have a we have a distinct advantage over the the first century people, if you will. We, we get the totality of the scripture, all right? You see, in, in, in this time, this is like the, you know, once Jesus hits the scene, it's like the first time that we're talking about, wait a minute, God is for the Gentiles too? In the Old Testament, that, that wasn't the case. That, that wasn't the thought processes. And, and so the tradition would say, what, what, what are you talking about? He's for the Gentiles too. But now we look at Romans 3.29 says we're all under sin, right? He says, or is our God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles too? So we're seeing this idea of, wait a minute. Everybody's under sin, not just the Jews, 
which means there would be redemption offered. Not just the Jews, but for the Gentiles also. Again, the, the sheep, the lost sheep doesn't have a, a role to play in his redemption back to the, his restoration to the, the 99. It's the shepherd. So what does the shepherd do? I just wrote down everything because the shepherd's making sure the 99 are there. Okay, they're at a place where they're not going to, there's no danger. Let me go grab this one that they wandered off. And, and so he goes and again, I don't know where the Ezekiel references come from, but Ezekiel 34, 16 says, I will seek, I will seek the lost and bring back the strayed. All right. We, we see, we see that he calls. We see in Revelations three twenty. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. Shepherd gets to the, the sheep, and, and what does he do? He's not just, it says he carries, he throws him on his shoulders and it carries him. Isaiah 43 says, even to your old age, I am he. And to the gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear you and I will carry you and I will save you. And that's the last thing that we see is we see the Savior, or the, the shepherd saves. Shepherd, in John three sixteen says, For I did not send my son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So, so we see this, this shepherd doing all the work, restoring this one sheep back to the 99. Now, in the context of what we're looking at today, you know what else these 99 are doing? Hey, why is the shepherd going after the one? He wandered off. Because that's what the Pharisees are doing. Hey, why, why is he eating with the, the sinners and the tax collectors? They, they, they don't deserve that. Why is he doing that? Which is why Jesus is telling the story. And, 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 and when you look at it, you can, you can pull truths and stuff out all throughout as we go. But, but if you look at it like that, you're going, hey, man, that, that's... So then we come to the parable of the lost coin. And I think we can all r- relate, uh, relate to this. Uh, or a, what woman, having ten silver coins, she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she, is, she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Anybody lose stuff? Our house has an abyss. I mean, I, I don't know how else to say it. I, one of the strangest things we've ever lost was a, we had a laptop. My mom gave us a laptop, a printer, and it was in a traveling case. So, so it's a big item. We have no idea. It, to this day, it's never shown up. We don't know what happened to it. It's just poof. Remote controls. I am just, I'm convinced that the fire stick remotes have a paint on them that's a chameleon. Once it hits the floor, it's, it's the, the color of the floor and you can't see it. I had one, it's been a couple weeks ago. I had it in my hand. I'm watching TV and get up to do something. Within five minutes, I'm, where's the remote? Gone. Still ain't found it. I'm like, what in the world? Um, here's you a good one. We're remodeling our bathroom, and a couple weeks ago, I tore the ceiling down and blown in insulation, so it's everywhere. My wife fussed at me for three days because I made a mess, and uh, 
So the, the next day I, I put an exhaust fan, put new insulation in, and I put the sheetrock in, and I go, where's my wedding ring? My original wedding ring. How many years? 22. Why? 2000, right? I mean, it's easy. It's simple. It's genius, I'm telling you. I have no idea. So I'm like, I didn't have all the drywall in yet, so I'm, I'm searching up, you know, could it come off where I stuffed the, I went to the dump that morning. I'm like, I have no clue. No idea. Lost my wedding ring. We had a DS go missing one time. This is the best. We had a DS go missing one time in my house. Back, back before cell phones were, were cool for the kids to have or available for the kids to have, it was DSs. And they would, they would sit in a room and they would play like Mario Kart with each other. And, and we had Paige's DS goes missing. And it's missing for like six, seven, eight months. We find it in the shed. Apparently, Nat- Paige made Natalie mad. Natalie took it to the shed. And never told anybody. Right? She's ruthless, guys. Right? The, the baby is ruthless. Don't mess with her. She'll, she'll, she'll hide your stuff and won't, you won't ever get it back. I don't even know how we found it. Um, probably cleaning out the shed that happens once every 18 years. So we've done it once since we've been married, right? Again, smart. Smart. So this lady loses her coin. She loses one out of nine. Or one out of ten, I'm sorry. And, and what you see is... The story's not about the nine that's in the, the bag, that's in her, in, her, in her coin purse, if you will. It's about the one. This one coin was a, was a silver piece that, from what I'm reading, it looks like it was worth about a day's wage. Right? So, so it's got some value to it. So what does she do? She, she lights a lamp. You know? So she's, she's wasting oil looking for this thing. She's spring cleaning. She's trying to find this, this coin. She finds it, and she, she's so excited. She's calling everybody, and, hey, I found the coin. I know this is a very odd question to ask. What did the coin do to be found? Absolutely nothing. It's a coin. It, it just lays there. It's the woman's job. I said that. That's not, I don't want to finish this sentence. It's that person's job. <laughs> to sweep the floor and find it. All right, I caught myself. I caught myself. Right? It, it's it's her job to go looking for the coin. All right? That that's the that's the point here. The, the nine, they're secure. They're safe. They're in the coin pouch. The one has to go get found. All right. Which leads us to the uh, the story of the lost son. We, we pick up in, in verse 11 here. And he said there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided the property between him. So two things to really look at here. So the older son in, in the Jewish custom would get a double portion. All right. So if there's two sons, what the father would do is he would divide the property into threes, thirds, and give the, the older son would get two-thirds and the younger son would get a third. If there was four sons, he would divide it in fifths. The oldest would get two-fifths and everybody else would get a fifth. All right, so it's just a double portion. Good with math. All right? I, I, I see you over there. Anyway, um, 
So, so, so that's, that's how he's got to do it. Now, what, is, what has he got to do here? This, is, this isn't just a bank account issue. This is property. This is, so this takes a little bit of time, right? It doesn't say, and immediately he gave it to him, right? So it takes a little bit of time for him to really gather up what, what, what he is asking for or asking to be given. There's, there's something else to be looked at here. When do you get an inheritance? When somebody dies. So, so let's look at really what's happening here. Is This son is saying, hey, Dad, give me what I'm entitled to and just be dead to me. You know, I, I, I don't have any use for you. I, I, I want what's mine. I want what I'm entitled to, right? Um, that word gets thrown around a little bit um, in conversations that I have with and, and it's one I don't really understand. But at the same time, I was talking with Chad earlier this morning. Don't we kind of sometimes do that with God just a little bit? I mean, I don't think that it's too, too drastic. But I think sometimes we're like, I'm entitled to this. Well, you know, I, you know we, we miss the point of salvation and, and, you know, oh, I'm a believer. I'm, I'm entitled. I can do this. You know, he, he's going to give me his blessing. You know, but that's, that's not... We're missing it. So he says, hey, give me... So what, what does he do here? He's telling him three things, basically. All right. He's, uh, he's rebelling against the Father. He's showing that he's dissatisfied with, with three things the Father has. Provisions, restrictions, and guidance. All right. Now, I didn't... I'm going to go back and tell you a little bit about me growing up and right out of high school. I did the same thing. I, I've spent a phase where I had to... I went out on my own, and I, I wanted to, I'm going to show you. Uh, I'm 19. I think at this point, I was trying to remember today, I think at this point I'd already stopped going to the community college, but I'm, I'm working full-time, and, and my dad says, all right, here, here's the new rules. You're going to be home at 10 o'clock on the weekdays and 10.30 on the weekends. I'm 19. My brother is four years younger than me. 15. Again, I told you I'm good with math. And you know what his curfew was? 10 o'clock on the weekdays, 10.30 on the weekends. And I said, nope, not going to happen. So I went and got an apartment. And you know what I did at 10 o'clock on the weekdays and 10.30 on the weekends? I was at home because now I'm paying bills. <laughs> I, I can't do what I wanted to do because now I got, I'm paying all these bills. So I'm like, man, I'm really, I showed him, didn't I? You know, I, I just, now real quick, and, and let's go back to another reference with Mike. Um, Mike loves cops, and, and he alluded to that last week. And, and if anybody ever deserved the ringtone, bad boys, bad boys, it's Mike. Me and Candy were married about a year, year and a half, and we're watching cops. And live on scene in Jacksonville. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Hey, that's 103rd Street. Okay, all right, I know where we're at. Hey, that's my apartment building that I lived in. You know, and it's like, oh, so that's my claim to fame with, 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 with cops is that, you know, man, I, I, my, my apartment building was on there. So, so I, say, I say all that just to just bring up the point that, you know, I, the restriction, I, I wasn't good. I didn't want to be home. At, I didn't want to be told I got to be home at 10. I didn't disrespectfully say, that's Adam out of here. You know? Matter of fact, I think 
I think they bought me groceries more times than I bought groceries when it's all said and done. You know, we still had a great, great relationship, and, and there was nothing, nothing that went south there. But this, this son, he didn't. He, uh, he didn't. So, so we see in verses 13, we see not many days later, the young son gathered all he had, and he took a journey into a far country. And he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine uh, arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but nobody gave him anything. So one thing the story doesn't tell you is it just says far country, right? Uh, my far country was about 10 to 15 minutes away from my parents' house. That's where my far country was. Um, I, I, think that, I think that more than distance here, I think that it's more of a, anywhere man is where he doesn't want God to be, you're in a far country. Because we're designed to have a relationship with God. So when we don't have that relationship with God, we're going to be miserable. We're, 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 there's something missing. You know, um, I get it that there are mental health issues that are 100% legit that me just reading a verse to you is not going to fix. I get that. I don't, I don't want this to come across like that. But when you put yourself in situations, like I can honestly tell you, when I put myself in my far country for that eight months to a year, oh, I was miserable. I was depressed. I didn't. I, I went to church twice, basically, because a girl said, "Hey, you want to go to church?" Sure. You know, can we go out to dinner after? You know, lunch after? You know, call it a date. But but I didn't. I didn't want the. I didn't want that in my life at the time. I was in a far country. You know. So so we find this young son son in a in a far country. Why did he go to the far country? Right? You know, you wrestle with the question of, okay, what's the motive here? Well, he's looking for self-pleasure. He, he's already told his dad, hey, I, I don't want you around. I don't need your help. I, just give me what, I, what I'm entitled to, and I'm, I'm going to split. I'm going I'm to do life on my own, and I'm going to I'm gonna live it up. You know, it said he squandered it all. You know, I'm sure he had friends when he had money. We've all been there. You, you got money and things are going good. Man, you got all the friends in the world. As soon, soon as you can't pay the... To pay the pay the tab it's in trouble they're gone you know and and more often than not they don't return the favor you know, <laughs> you know been there done that um but self-pleasure that's what he's looking for most of you guys have been in church long enough you've probably heard this statement right here sin will take you further than you want to go and it'll cost you more than you're willing to pay and that's where this, he's at. Because ultimately, self-pleasure is the essence of sin. He is, he is basically, you know, hey, I am, I am wanting to... He's not thinking about the consequences for anything. To him, to his father, to his other brother, to anybody, he's not, he's not looking at the consequences. He's a Jewish man working in a pig pen. If you know anything about Jewish tradition, pigs are unclean. You don't touch them. He's working with them and wanting to eat their food. He's down. He's down. 
He, he has lost everything, and, and he is, he is, you know, I talked about, I talked about me being at home, you know, at 10 o'clock and 10.30 because I couldn't afford to do anything else. Man, he's, he's lost all of his freedom trying to get freedom. You know, uh, he, he's lost his freedom. He's lost his fellowship with the Father. You know, he, he's, he's there and, and he, he is at absolute rock bottom. You talk about rock bottom, this is it. I mean, he's, he's basically living with pigs. So in verse 17 we see, But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Man, this is an absolute 180 from when he said, Hey, Dad, I don't need you around. Give me my money and let me go. Now he's going. You you can almost hear it in his voice. My father. My father's hired servants. It's it's a different different tone. Man, I'm going to starve to death. You know, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a recognition of his, where he's at. And, and he recognizes his, his desperate condition. My father, I'll perish with hunger. He recognizes his father's sufficiency. How many of my father's hands have more than enough food? You know, he realizes. You know, I imagine at this point in time, I, I really think this is where he's sitting there going. And, and in our mind, looking at the story, we're going, train up a child in the way he should go, and in the, in the end, he won't depart from it. Man, my dad loves me. Maybe, maybe I'm better off at home. And then you start just with the mind going, man, you know what? Those, those people eat a lot better than I'm eating right now. And I, I'm going to die if I'm here. I, I'm going back. And he makes a determination to return. This isn't... You know, it's easy to, I say easy, it's not so easy, but it's, it's a lot easier to recognize your condition. It's a lot harder to actually do something about it. He recognizes the condition, and he decides, I'm going, where? where does he, what does he decide to do? Does he decide, hey, I'm going to change? No. That, that is, he didn't say, hey, I'm, I'm going to change. I'm going to go do this instead. Nope. D- does he say, hey, I'm going to go and join a church? Nope. No, joining church is a good thing. Change is a good thing. But joining the church ain't the, ain't the, ain't the key to this decision. I'm going to go get a better job. Getting a better job's good. It's not a bad thing. But it's not what this young man needed. I'm going to go to my father, and I'm not going to stop until I get there. That's the decision he made. And he takes off, and he goes. And we go to verse 20. And it says, and he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long ways off, his father ran to him and, and felt compassion. Keep that in your mind. We're coming back to that. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he was found. And they begin to celebrate. 
you see in the second part of that first verse, but while he was still a long ways off, the father saw him and felt compassion. All right. Do you honestly think this is the first time the father looked up down the horizon and said, oh, wow, look at there. The first time I looked down there, here he comes. No. I'm, I'm, I'm adding a little bit to the story here because I don't, I don't think that's the coincidence here. I, I imagine that this father, every time he walked outside, he's looking down. It, from every direction, he's looking. And I, and I can imagine the, the turnaround, if you will, to go do whatever he went outside to do, to get that head, it, it took longer and longer every time. You know, so, so, so when he walks out there and he sees, hey, my, hey, that's, that's him. He takes off running to him. Now, there's some Jewish customs that come into play here. First off, I didn't know this. I kind of, I don't like to run, so maybe I'm going to adopt this. Um, In Jewish customs, you were not supposed to run because you had a tunic. And you'd have to hike up your tunic so you wouldn't trip. Well, you're showing your legs at that point. And it was shameful and humiliation to show your legs. I'm adopting that one, by the way. That was, if you see me running, start going, oh, that's, that's humiliation. You know, let me, let me have that. All right, that's, that's what I'm going to go with. But, but that's, so he, he's running to him. He's, he's abandoning the consequences, abandoning the judgment, abandoning the, the, the thoughts that the townspeople are going to have about him to get to his son. Well, there's two things that come into play here. One, it's because he wants to get to his son. Second is, there is a, there is a, uh, a ceremony that in Jewish custom at this time. Kenneth Bailey wrote a book called The Cross and the Prodigal. And in that book, he explains that if a Jewish son lost his inheritance among the Gentiles and then returned home, right? It's like an algebraic question, right? Um, the community would perform a ceremony called the Kiaza, I think is how it's pronounced, something like that. And, and what they would do is the, the elders of their community would get that son. They'd bring him before him. They would take a clay pot. They'd throw it on the ground. And they, and they would say, you are cut off from your people. You're gone. Totally reject him. All right. So, so, so now, now we're adding a whole other element to why this father's running to his son. He's trying to get to him before the elders get to him. And at that point, they can't have the ceremony. One, it would look really, really bad if, you know, the one that was the offended is, you know, forgiving and and showing mercy and showing grace. And the other people are like, nope, nope, we got to do this, you know. So, but what happens is now that father bears shame over that. The father don't care about that. The father cares about his son. He wants his son home. He doesn't want his son to have that shame. As parents, we can all understand that. We want to keep our kids and, and out of as much pain and, and harm's way and, and judgment from others as we possibly can. Sometimes a little too much. But, the, but this father, no, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to get him. I, I don't. If that's not an example of what God did for us, by sending Christ to take our sins, I don't know what it is. We could literally 
Give an invitation right now. Wrap this thing up. I'll go to Sonny's, get a sliced pork big deal with a large sweet tea, because that's what everybody orders at Sonny's, I think, and be done. But we'd miss a very important part of the story. We, we get into the last part. The older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and said, what, are these, what do these mean? And he said to him, your brother has come home. Your father has killed a fattened calf because he received him back safe and sound. But he was angry, and he rushed to go in, and he, and he refused to go in. The father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I've never disobeyed your commandments. Yet you never give me the young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who, who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to the son, you were always with me and all that is mine is yours. It's fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. What, uh, what we miss here is I've heard this sermon preached many, many times. And, and there's been times that I'm like, man, I get the older brother, I think. I, th- I think I get it. You know what? But here's what the older brother's really saying here. If you really read into it, he's saying, restoration and salvation is my reward, not my brother's. He's saying, you're giving him what I deserve. Am I not to be celebrated? That's what he's saying. You know, he's really just, hey, it's not, he's so mad and he's seeing red in this that, and parents, you can relate. You come home and your spouse goes, you never guess what your son did today. Because this ain't his brother in the story. He's talking to his dad saying, your son, you know, he's mad. And he says, it's not about that. So, so there's, three, there's a couple of comparisons between the two brothers. They both lost fellowship with, with the father. Again, we've, we've talked about the, the younger son's freedom. The older son lost freedom too because he stayed at home, but he was a slave to his own desires. He missed what was at home the whole time. You read a little bit more into this story, if you will, just, just your mind. The dad's basically telling the son, you wanted a young goat? It's all yours. Go get a young goat and, and, and celebrate. You know, you don't, that's not the point here. The younger spent it all, cost him everything. The younger spent it all, the older never enjoyed what he had. Again, the older was restoration and salvation is, is, is not my brother's reward. You're giving him what I deserve. Am I not to be celebrated? Now we take that and we look back at the first two verses. And we see the Pharisees saying, Hey, you're eating with the sinners. You're eating with the tax collectors. You know, what is this? Why aren't you eating with me? That's what the Pharisees are saying. So Jesus tells these three stories, these three parables, if you will, to show the importance. It's not about you, you're found. It's about your brother who was lost. It's about your brother who who was dead, but now he's alive. 
It's about the one coin that was missing. It's not about the nine. It's not about the 99 sheep. It's about that one that's missing. It's not about you is what Jesus is saying. It's about God's love for... Because here's the key to it. Here's the key in what this... What, what the older brother is not really processing. We're, we're going back to this word entitlement because that's what, that's what the youngest is, is saying, hey, I'm entitled to this. The oldest is using the word deserved, if you will. What do we all deserve? Death. Because that's the penalty for sin. We're all sinners. God sent his son to die on a cross so that we don't have to pay that penalty. Paid for. But when we focus on what I deserve, it's only the good things. I I deserve that to be celebrated, right? Why why don't I deserve to be? No, no, no. I deserve hell. There is no, nothing else I deserve. Everything else is mercy and grace. So, So Jesus' point to the Pharisees is, guys, You're missing it. You're focusing on the wrong thing. So so in in closing, where where do we find ourselves? Do we find ourselves as one focusing on the wrong things, not really processing the, the totality of the story, if you will? We're taking the one snippet and that that's how we're getting getting stuck in that. Do we, do we find ourselves, there, there might be someone today that's in the pig pen. Wandered off. Wants, wants nothing to do with anything, but is so far gone right now, not even knowing how to come back. There are some that, that are the father. Looking for their kid. Looking out on the horizon. Hey. Where, where are you at? Because I imagine we're somewhere. Imagine everybody's somewhere. If, if, you, if you know that you've never had a relationship with Christ, if you had a salvation experience, I can think of no better day than today to really wrestle with that and come to, come to grips of it. Um, I'm going to pray. If that's you, Whatever you feel comfortable doing. You want to come down and talk. You want to grab the person beside you. You want to find anybody. Anybody will talk to you about it. I guarantee you. Just, just find one of us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I thank you for this example of your, your reckless love that you, that you sent your son to die on a cross, God. God, that, that through that, we, we can have a, a restored relationship with you. God I, God, I pray that you will, you will work on the hearts of all of us because there's something that we all have got to do. God, I just pray that you will, specifically for the lost one, for the one that's never had a relationship, God, I pray that today would be the day that they, they see the need for you. And God, I just pray that you will, you will allow us to to understand that it's not really about us. It's about you and your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.